Hello, hello, and welcome back to Mega Jordanary. My name is Megan. And my name is Jordan. And welcome to our podcast. On today's episode, we will be discussing the disappearances of Deirdre Jacob and Kira Breen. Both of these young women vanished in the 1990s in Ireland and are believed to have been victims of Ireland's vanishing triangle. In this episode, we will also be discussing Ireland's prolific sex offender, Larry Murphy. If this is your first time tuning in, we would suggest that you go and listen to the previous two episodes because we discussed the disappearance of Annie McCarrick and Jojo Dollard in those. So before we begin, we'd like to give our usual disclaimer that fewer discretion is advised for this episode as we will be discussing some extremely sensitive topics that may be triggering to some. These topics include, but are not limited to, violence, murder, so please listen at your own discretion. All of the information that we are discussing in this episode is readily available online and this content is for informational purposes only. Deirdre Jacob was born on the 14th of October 1979 in Newbridge, Ireland to parents Michael and Bernadette Jacob. Deirdre had just completed her first year at St Mary's University in Twickenham, London, so she had returned home for the summer of her disappearance. Deirdre was studying to be a teacher at the time. On the day of Deirdre's disappearance on the 28th of July 1998, Deirdre had left her home around 10am and walked into Newbridge, which is about a 25-minute walk. Deirdre had gone into the AIB bank in Newbridge to pay off a bank draft to pay for her student accommodation in London for the following school year. If you recall from the first episode, Annie McCarrick also visited an AIB bank on the day of her disappearance. There's no correlation, but it's a strange parallel nonetheless. Deirdre's last known footage was captured on the CCTV at the bank, yet again much like Annie McCarrick. After visiting the bank, she then made her way to the post office to post the bank draft to the UK. After this, Deirdre went to visit her 90-year-old grandmother, who owned a little sweet shop in the town. At least a dozen people who knew Deirdre very well told the Gardaí after the fact that they had seen Deirdre walking down the Barrettstown Road and then towards Roseberry, which was in the direction of her home. She was said to have passed a church along the way and a former school teacher um, passed her in the car and they waved and were on their way. And then a neighbour that was working on the roof of his house also recalled seeing Deirdre walking along and he shouted to say hello. And this was roughly before 3.30pm. The neighbour seen her standing on the verge of grass directly across from the entrance to her home. Now, I believe that the entrance to her home, I believe it was on top of a hill. So the gates were at the bottom and you kind of had to walk up a little hill to the house once you got on the property. Just for some context. Deirdre and her mother had made some sort of plans for that evening at around 6pm. So when Deirdre's mother got home at 6pm and realised that she was nowhere to be seen, she had an incredible gut feeling that there was something amiss. She said that her daughter was utterly dependable, quote unquote, and if she was ever going to be late, that she would always let her mom know. So she said when she arrived home and Deirdre wasn't there, she panicked. At the time of her disappearance, Deirdre was wearing a dark t-shirt with white shoes and was carrying a very distinctive black bag that had a yellow Caterpillar Inc. logo on it. And this bag was never located. So Deirdre's parents went straight to the Gardaí and reported her missing. And it's literally 
like the other cases in Ireland's vanishing triangle of these missing women, they literally vanished almost into thin air, completely untraceable for the most part. Like Deirdre was sighted by multiple people in broad daylight and the last sighting was of her at the bottom of the hill to her home. In 2018, the case was reclassified as a murder inquiry because of new information and a review of the case. They didn't release what information they had received at first, but they just said that they had a definite line of inquiry. And in the October of 2018, the Gardaí stated that they had a significant new lead in the murder probe and identified Larry Murphy as a person of interest. Now I think we need to discuss Larry Murphy and the crime that he is convicted of. In January 2001, Larry Murphy was convicted of kidnapping, repeatedly raping and attempting to murder a young woman from Carlow. On the 11th of February 2000, a young woman was making her way to her car when Murphy kidnapped her and locked her in the boot of his Fiat Punto. Now, this woman has never been identified in the media or in the public due to the extremity of what she went through she wants and has every right to her privacy this woman really went through such a horrific event it's it's unthinkable larry murphy then drove to kilkey in county kildare where he repeatedly raped and beat this woman up he then locked her in the boot again and drove to the Spinian's Cross in the Wicklow Mountains where he began the ordeal again several times, vaginally, anally and orally. The woman began to fight back and once she did, Larry Murphy produced a plastic bag which he placed over this woman's head and tried to strangle her to death. Whilst this was going on, two hunters who were actually Larry Murphy's neighbours came across the scene and immediately recognised him. So he fled the area and returned home. The two hunters then escorted this woman to the police station in Bolton Glass, Wicklow. And they told the police where Murphy lived. And the next morning he was arrested by the guards. Surprisingly, Larry Murphy admitted this crime. And he was eventually convicted, as we said, in January 2001 to 15 years. But he only served 10 years. Now, whilst he was in prison, he didn't show any signs of remorse. He didn't, you know, he refused treatment whilst in prison. But yeah, he got out after 10 years. It's just so weird to me. And the sickening part of all this is that he was sentenced before the Sex Offenders Act was introduced later on in 2001. So he was and still is not subject to a post-release supervision order. Now, you hear rumours like, oh, they know where he is. Like, there's other countries like Interpol are looking after him and stuff. But, like, he could literally be anywhere right now. And I actually have a Larry Murphy story of my own to tell you guys. So, it was back in 2013. I was in college and I was living with my grandmother at the time. So, I was out. It was a September evening. It was dark. I was out around the Kilmainham area in Dublin with some of my friends. My friends were all male. So, I was the only female in the group at the time. We were standing outside a supermarket and there was a strange feeling in the air. There was a man standing with a cap on. And he had like a little, I think it was a Jack Russell dog. 
and he was just literally staring at us it was so unsettling a horrible feeling we were kind of talking amongst ourselves and one of the guys that I was with was like oh my god that looks like Larry Murphy and then we looked at him again and we were like okay that is I'm like 100% sure that is Larry Murphy after we said this the man walked towards us stood in front of us then even closer had a smirk on his face and just walked off into the night when I tell you our blood ran cold it was the feeling that we had can only be likened to being in the presence of utter evil needless to say we went home straight away after that I literally couldn't sleep all night I felt so unsettled I text my aunt I text my mom I text everyone to tell them like you know I think I see Larry Murphy tonight next morning all over the news on the radio stations like across Ireland that Larry Murphy had been seen loitering around schools in Dublin city centre and the vicinity of where we had seen him the night before so yeah it was definitely Larry Murphy disgusting so as we said Larry Murphy is considered the number one suspect in the disappearance of Deirdre Jacob now Gardy were never originally able to place Larry in Newbridge on the day that Deirdre disappeared but he was a carpenter he was known to travel around Leinster doing odd jobs here and there and there were rumours that Larry had been doing some carpentry in Deirdre Jacobs grandmother's shop at the time or home one or the other. Years later strangely enough There was a piece of paper found with Larry Murphy's name and phone number amongst the belongings of Deirdre's grandmother. This is the grandmother who had owned the shop in Newbridge. The CCTV footage of Deirdre at the AIB bank that day in Newbridge. There's a man, I wish we could play, I wish we had a visual podcast, but definitely go and YouTube this clip afterwards or or something you need to see it there's a man in the background who matches the description of Larry Murphy very very closely so there you go in October 2021 the Gardaí began searching a woodland near Usklittle on the Kildare Wicklow border The search was done after a review of evidence and there were said to have been around 15 people from the Garda Technical Bureau and a forensic archaeologist. It's about three acres, the land, and it took around three weeks, but unfortunately they did not find any remains. But, weirdly enough, they found an ancient settlement from around 500 BC, but they didn't find any remains for Deirdre Jacob or any of the other missing women. Kira Breen was a 17-year-old girl from Dundalk, County Loud, when she vanished from her hometown on February the 13th, 1997. Kira was last seen going to bed on the night of the 13th of February by her mother Bernadette Breen at 12.25am at their home in an area known as Bachelor's Walk. The evening Kira went missing was just a normal Thursday. She had dinner with her mother at the Roma restaurant on Park Street, Dundalk and returned home to watch Bad Boys before going to bed. After going to bed, it is believed that Kira decided to sneak out of her home, possibly to attend a pre-arranged meeting with someone, 
Her mother checked on her at 2am and found no sign of Kira. Brian let Brian later told the TV crime show Crime Call. I got up at 2am to go to the toilet and I looked in her bedroom and she wasn't there. She didn't take any money or clothes with her. It is as if she went to meet somebody and did not come back. A forensic examination of Kira's home found that a ground floor window which looked out to a main road was left opened and was opened from the inside which indicated that she had left the window open so she could sneak back into the house later that morning. It is suspected that Kira went to meet a local older man that night. The initial Garda investigation found through Kira's friends that Kira had in fact been in contact with an older man in the days before her disappearance. This same man was once chased from Kira's front garden after her mother found him talking to Kira. Bernadette Breen had overheard this man asking Kira if she was going with anyone. This obviously raised alarms for Bernadette and she told him to get lost and that he was far too old for Kira. Friends of Kira told the Gardaí that the suspect had been watching Kira and the group of teenagers at a local chipper just a few days before she vanished. This was not the first time he had been spotted by the friend group as he watched them. He had also approached them previously and known as a creep by the youth in the town. Whilst in the takeaway, the suspect was seen in deep conversation with Kira by her friends. The same friends overheard the suspect asking Kira if he could see her later and she replied, I'll sneak out of my house when my mother goes to bed. According to Kira's friends, she regularly snuck out of her house late at night. Gardy have since rechecked this story with Kira's friends and their accounts have remained the same as they did in 1997, leaving Gardy with little reason to doubt their accounts of these disturbing events. It was reported that Kira had previously ran away to Northern Ireland but returned home to Dundalk on her own accord a few days after running away with a female friend. Kira was described as shy, not streetwise but not gullible and had a trusting nature. Such traits could well have made Kira a target for an older predator. Disturbingly, it was reported that the Gardaí investigation found that a local group of paedophiles had been operating in the Dundalk area at the time of Kira's disappearance. It is widely believed by the Gardaí that Kira fell victim to a local person from the Dundalk area. Gardaí never found any evidence of a suspect from outside of the town of Dundalk. In 2015, Liam Mullen, a man in his 50s, was arrested in relation to Kira's case, but he was later released without charges. He had been the prime suspect in her case since 1999, but the Gardaí only had enough information to arrest him after receiving two anonymous letters that year. Mullen always maintained that he was innocent and that his only connection to Kira was that they lived in the same area and that he would sometimes say hello to her when he saw her. He was arrested again in 2017 for an unrelated drink driving charge and died of a drug overdose while in custody. He would have been 35 at the time of Kira's disappearance. Unfortunately, Kira's mother Bernadette has passed in recent years, sadly without knowing what had happened to her only child. Like the other cases in Ireland's Vanishing Triangle, Deirdre Jacob and Kira Breen's disappearances still remain unsolved to present day. We will be back next week for our final episode in relation to Ireland's Vanishing Triangle. So until then, stay safe guys.